Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, May 19th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today are two very special guests, co-hosts of the Barking Browns show, Nick Carnes and Jacob Roach. How are you guys doing? Hi, Rod. Um, doing good over here. Uh, you know what? Uh, this was a really spontaneous uh, show we put together, and uh, I'm really excited to, to talk tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm living it up over here. Uh, Tuesdays in a row, sitting down talking with some some cool dudes about Browns football. Man, it's it's the dream. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, man. Just just talking, and, and there aren't even any games going on. It's just, but we know what's we know what's coming, it's, and the season's going to be just a blast. So um, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I think we're all feeling it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you guys, uh, you guys really just started your show. You've done three episodes. So, kind of, uh, kind of tell me how this thing, how this thing came together, and you know what's your, um, you know, why you're doing it, and, um, you know, how the idea, how the idea started, and kind of what you, you know, what what you're. I don't know if I want to say goals because most of us do these things for fun and because we love talking Browns, but, um, you know, what, what do you want to do on your show that might be different from what other people are doing? Well, um, so originally I had a a podcast, um, with a friend of mine and we're kind of, we've been on a little bit of a hold. He's a Giants fan. I'm a Browns fan. It was kind of this weird dynamic. And Nick was actually the first guest ever on our podcast. And, I think that like in me and Nick have talked about this offline that we just had this this show chemistry like we just bounced ideas off of each other and it was just like there was a lot of agreement a lot of fun a lot of give and take there um, I really wanted to talk it, it was so spontaneous like Nick said earlier I mean I wanted to talk about Sheldon Richardson's release and I texted Nick I said hey can we talk about the Sheldon Richardson release he was like uh, you know, he had some family things going on. And eventually we got out there and we talked about, I don't know what, five, five days after it happened. Yeah. Um, and, and he was like, dude, we need to do this. And we just kind of were like, I love to talk to as many other people as I can. So that was where the, um, the idea to make it live so that like people could, while they're watching us, they could be like, and it happened last night. Uh, what do you guys think of Mac Wilson? Like that happened like 10 minutes in and we just, I want our show to be different. Me and Nick have talked about this and you kind of alluded to this uh, earlier when we were talking to you. I don't like, Hey, what do you think about this? Blah, blah, blah. What do you think about? I love to talk ball with friends and that's what, that's what I want our show to be. Uh, Nick, do you agree with Jacob? Yeah, um, you know, well, yeah, of of course, but uh, you know what, I think, so so Jacob and I are both 30, um, so I think from the initial time that we talked, we we shared a lot of commonalities and, and, you know, the era of of just just black cloud browns that we grew up in. but it, but it's kind of funny because we're both we're both pretty positive people and I, I think I think it kind of just stemmed from like you know basically just just like the excitement about about the Browns and where they're going and 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 that 
and you know, so at first, uh, we just tried like some Twitter lives, right? Like, like, like we just were like, Hey, let's, let's do this on Tuesday. Why not? We'll see what happens. And, and you know what? Um, as we talked, it just, I just realized, you know, like this is, this is good here. Like, like this, this makes, this is a great dynamic. Um, you know, we have a lot of fun, you know what? I'm really discovering too, you know, as we're as we're three episodes in, it's like we finished recording. And it's like, dude, I can't go to bed because yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about like what we've been talking about, and and I definitely agree. Um, Jacob and I have been talking, and 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 you know, it's like you kind of find out as you go a little bit more, like what you're gonna be, and you know what what works for you. And we've definitely had a lot of fun um, being able to to pull people's comments up on our live show and just and just like letting our, our uh, people, the viewers that are, are with us, you know, uh, direct where we're going. Like we, we have some loose topics that we want to talk about, but but I think I think that's been my favorite so far is really just, you know, it's like, all right, here we are. We're live. What are we going to talk about tonight? Let's see what what's on everyone else's mind. And we just kind of let it go from there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So before we dive into some Browns, guys, we're going to talk about what we're drinking, and we call this our Blitz Beverages on this podcast. So I always let the guests go first. Jacob, how'd you like to kick us off on this? All right, man. Yeah, I love it. Um, So I'm drinking the exact same thing I drank last night because I bought a lot of them. (laughs) And, and, And I'm a hard cider guy. And I, I don't know um, if either one of you are, are much partake in the hard ciders, but Angry Orchard is my favorite. And and they had crisp apple last time I was in there. So I'm I, I'm rocking an Angry Orchard crisp apple. Love it. Um, okay. You know what? I haven't had a cider in a long time, but that sounds really, you know, especially with it warming up, that sounds really good right now. Yeah. Uh, but, but as far as I go, I'm pretty basic right now. Um, and I saw, I, you know what? It's true. I saw the the White Claw Flavor Pack three, and I was like, "Well, I haven't had those, so uh, here we are." And so, sitting in front of me right now, I've got a strawberry, and you know, just in case, in case I got a, a, a blackberry as backup. Um, and you know what? They're surprisingly uh, good. Yeah, guys, it's kind of funny how this is working out because I drink I drink beer on the show almost every time, and and I'm drinking. A quote unquote beer this time, but it's the black cherry bourbon barrel tea beer from, or, and it's gluten free, by the way, from Wild Ohio Brewing. And it tastes like a black cherry red wine cooler to me. <laughs> Doesn't really taste like a beer, which I, I think uh, from seeing other reviews on this, I, I think that's how most people interpret this is it's not really a beer type flavor. So Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of all drinking something in the same category tonight. Kind of funny how that kind of worked out because that doesn't happen on the show very often. People (laughs) drink a lot of different things and we kind of all picked something similar. Uh, You know, I, I, I was afraid the, uh, that the bourbon might really stand through real strong and I'm not a big bourbon guy. So I actually have a beer for backup here uh, just in case I might get into, uh, but, uh, if you like wine coolers, you might want to give this a shot. It's 9%, which I think is pretty much what wine usually is, Wow, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I'm not going to drink it super fast, so so don't worry, guys. I think we'll be okay. 
<laughs> you, you know what, Rod? You said Wild Ohio, and anytime, anytime there's an Ohio brewing in it, that piques my interest. So I'm gonna have to to look up yep. where I can get something like that. You know, my my wife was looking, and they make. I saw at the store they had this in a blueberry, but they've also got it in in peach and a few other flavors too. Hmm. So so if I'm you like coolers and stuff, you might want to check it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to try that peach. That sounds good. Yeah. So guys. We like to give our guests a chance to talk about their journey as a Browns fan. And I'm going to tell you guys, you guys are a little older than I thought. Don't be offended. <laughs> That's okay. But, you know, um, I mean, you're not real old. I've got kids almost as old as you guys. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, anybody in their, anybody in their twenties, you know, kind of looks the same age to me now. So. Um, you know what I'm talking about. So anyways, uh, you guys actually have quite a bit of experience as Browns fans. So, so I just want to give you each a chance and, um, Nick, we'll start with you just to kind of go through your story as a Browns fan and whatever you want to share, whether it's, you know, how you became a Browns fan, maybe some experiences, favorite players, um, anything you'd like to lay out there. Um, okay. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, because when, when the Browns came back, that, that's probably my, my earliest Browns memory is when the Browns came back because um, I was nine. And I can just remember my family um, hosted this big party. Um, and, I, you know, what? I didn't really even understand. Like, I didn't understand football at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just knew that everybody I cared about at the time um, was excited about, about football. And. And, and everybody in my family is is Browns fans. It just it runs deep like that. Um, and just to see, you know, how I, and you know, what, I'm really thankful that I did not have to, you know, cognizantly go through the Browns leaving because um, the only thing I knew was that was that our, we had a football team and they were back and everybody was really excited about it. Yeah. Um, so, 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 you know, it's kind of like from from then on. You know, I just, I just, especially my dad, my dad's a huge, huge Browns fan. And, you know, he kind of passed that through me. Um, and basically since then I've, I've been obsessed, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I kind of referenced it a little earlier. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, anyone who, who is like 30 or around there, um, basically came of age during probably the, like the worst stretch of Browns football. But, you know, I think, I think my favorite thing about um, basically about everybody. It, you don't have to be any any certain age, but basically about about everybody that's been through like the last eighteen uh, ish years is that we're all still here. Um, because I, I don't I don't think you could say that about a lot of fan bases. I I really don't. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and hmm, you know what? I I still I, what sticks out to me. As like my favorite, as just my favorite thing, my favorite memory of, of the Browns um, is that I still barely even believe that the Browns finally triumphed over Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I'm just, you know what? And that's Talking just, the last I, season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, I should have no, framed, right. framed that a little. But you know what? It's like, it's like I know that that is my best Browns memory because I have to like go back and watch that game to to like re re believe that 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 is reality um 
And so, so you know, it's a, it's amazing, that, and that's why I'm so excited, right? It's like I'm still riding high off off you know my favorite Browns memory of all time. So I'm just I'm really excited about where they're going, um, and you know, especially Browns Twitter's been been you know even through the off season, like like you guys were referencing, it's like it's like you know I'm posting stuff like every day, and it gets it gets interactions and likes and stuff. It's like it's like the the passion is just there. And and you can feel it every day, even though it's the the dead of the off season. And that's just what I love so much. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Jacob? Yeah, um, I really, I, I love though that that you're like, hey, the best moment is the most recent one because <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And, and I'll give like a totally different answer just so I can, you know, for sake of fun, right? But. If we go back, like Nick said, um, the Browns returned, I was eight um, when they came back. And I don't remember them leaving, but I can remember my dad just like like Nick said, the excitement that the Browns were coming back. And um, as a child, I thought it was funny to, out of spite, be a Rams fan in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the greatest show on turf. It was the time to be a fan, right? They were a great um, team. Yeah. yeah. It was a, a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch the greatest show on turf. But um, my real, real first Browns memory is Kelly Holcomb making the playoffs in 0-2. Mm-hmm. And going into Pittsburgh. And what were we up? 34-7? to Is that what? It was I, something. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. It, it was something that it just, it, you know, you felt really good. And I just, I remember that's my first memory is Pittsburgh, which I guess ended up being appropriate for my fandom for the next 25 years, <laughs> was Pittsburgh reaching in my chest and ripping out my heart. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the fondest memories for me growing up as a as a Browns fan in my teenage years was just what Josh Cribbs brought, man. That electricity. Oh, yeah. oh. do do you remember? And now they lost this game. This was their ten and six season, um, which would have been my senior year of high school, and uh, 08. And um, Pittsburgh goes up. 28 24 and josh cribs takes the next kick back to the house and he side they had to review it because he tiptoed on the sideline and then he was mm-hmm. only in bounds by an inch yeah wow yeah. that just yeah. the excitement of josh cribs yeah yeah our 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 uh kick returner and our and our ace special teams guy was was you know, arguably the best player on on the team. Yeah, and a left tackle. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks can, for correcting my statement. <laughs> but yeah, but can you imagine? Just like a side note on Joe Thomas's career that I often forget about him. His rookie year, they went ten and six. So, mm-hmm. like, his intro to the league was like, "Hey, the Browns are here." Wow. And I then, never thought about that before. And then it was just, it was right off the cliff the next year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was so excited, just as a little side note, because of like the, because the, the Josh Cribbs obsession was, I mean, so, so I've, I'm a Kent State grad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and when, when I went there, I was like, oh, Josh Cribbs went here. You know, I like thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. Um, yeah. Just because because, you know, he, he, he went he went to school right there. And, and then and then the, just the fans rallying to get him paid. I, I have no idea if that actually, you know, was what eventually got him paid. But it's like it's like we all rallied behind paying a, a, a kick returner. <laughs> Thing, things have changed, guys. <laughs> things have changed. You know, I mean, back back then, we we fell in love with a few guys on the team, and we wanted to keep those guys around. Uh, you know, and you know, and we're talking about the the ten and six season, but you know, that even happened. You know, after afterward, when the team wasn't very good, obviously, obviously, Joe Thomas wasn't going anywhere, but but every year we'd see. You know the best players leave. Um, God, it was agonizing, and now things have things are just so much different. We're going we're going to lose good players, but it's because we're going to have good players left on the team. Yeah, you you got people I never thought I would see the day. Do you remember the kind of ludicrous money they gave Paul Kruger for nine sacks? Oh, oh God. Well, he was, um, I mean, nine sacks was pretty good for the Browns back then. <laughs> yes. I, I just mean in red. Like, we got to keep this guy. We can't yeah. get anybody better than him. It was just a completely different mindset. And now John Johnson takes less money to come yeah. to Cleveland. Yeah. Richard Higgins takes, like, like, like I, that, I don't even know what, what low salary. But, but Richard Higgins is basically playing for nothing. In yeah, terms of NFL see. salaries, yeah, yeah, uh, it's it it's amazing how a team has to has to progress in order for certain things to happen for players to want to be here. And I've talked about this so many times on on this podcast about the penalties and getting calls too. And I don't want to go on a big diatribe right now, but but bad teams don't get calls. And when you start playing like a good team, you get the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. And once you turn the corner on some of these things, man, it's just like a, it's like a snowball effect. And it just, it just kind of feels like there's no stopping this team now. This is, this is the first time in my life uh, that even when the, the calls went against the Browns, they were good enough to overcome them. Like, uh, like the, the Jacksonville game sticks out to me, um, where I don't remember what, um, what first down it was, but they like clearly got hosed where they, they, they should have had a first down. The game should have been over. Um, and, and, and the Browns ended up winning that game. Um, and I, and I just couldn't, I couldn't help thinking, you know, it's like the old Browns lose that game. Right. But like yeah. this Browns team, they, they 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 overcome the adversity that's placed in front of them. Yeah, and that's a whole other issue is the the mindset of the team, and I think it's coaching and and the players, the way they've come together, is that they know that they're they're not out of this thing, you know, in, in any particular game. So, uh, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a bad call, whether it's seeing somebody go down with an injury, they're like. You know what? We're just we're just going to keep on doing what we do. That's it's like watching a different franchise, guys. It just does. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I, I think I think you you mentioned how, um, or we we talked a little bit about how you know the 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 Browns have have won and they've made they've made players uh, want to come here and play more cheaply play play for more cheaply, and I think I think so much about when the Browns hit that that uh, third and one against the Steelers in Week 17. And and I was like, you know, the whole season comes down to this third and one. And and, and they got that yard. You know, Kareem Hunt threw that great block and, and Baker Mayfield uh you know rushed rushed for that first down and they win that game. And you know, because they win that game, they beat the Steelers in the playoffs. And it's like and it's like, you know, at that point, because they got that one yard, the whole narrative of the Browns and what they can be and what they are changes. Maserati, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, as you're watching these games now, I, th- I think as fans, I know I know the players and the coaches feel differently, but as fans, you're not, <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but I feel like they're going to get that yard, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and up until this past season, I didn't feel that way. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, here we go, here we go. You're, you know, you're waiting for the the proverbial shoe to drop. What's going to happen? What's going to, you know, where's the bad call going to be? You know, or, or what's going to happen? And now you feel like these guys are going to overcome pretty much everything. And it, it, it's not like they're not going to lose a game, guys. But mm-hmm. you know, you just you just have confidence, and you know that this team is going to. You know they're going to they're going to stand up. Um, it's going to be next man up. It's going to be um, execution, uh, and we, we've got a team that that we can be proud of, and, and that we can have a lot of confidence on. Mm-hmm. And you know I'll I'll build off of uh, y- y- you say you finally believe uh, they can get a yard. I'll give you like a, a specific example. Uh, exactly what you're talking about the way you feel when you watch them i don't know about you but prior to this year if it was third and more than five they weren't going to get it like (laughs) it it, it, you 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 know what i mean if 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 they had a holding call and it was third and i don't know 12 um they weren't going to get it and but If they're on the other side, if the defense had a third and 17, they were going to give up 25 yards. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, 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 know, I know what you're saying. Third and five, you're going to the, to the kitchen to make a sandwich. That's exactly right. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to the bathroom because I'm, I'm not going to miss anything. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back, you know, after the punt. After the punt and the timeout and the change of possession. Yeah, I I remember, and you guys, maybe you'll, you can remember specifically, because I cannot remember if it was the Houston game or the Eagles game, but the Browns had a third and 17 um, trying to seal the game. It's the fourth quarter. They're up. I, I do believe it was Houston. It was third and 17 in a game where you couldn't throw all day because it was a monsoon, and Baker Mayfield gets licked in the chops and he throws an 18 or a 20 yard out route to Rashard Higgins who taps his feet on the mm-hmm. sideline. Yeah. That's and that was like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And, yeah. 
and that was to me it was just like if if you ever had to, if you had whatever doubts you may have had in my mind about Baker, which were very very few at that point, to me he was. I mean that's. I've watched 29 quarterbacks, and I can name them all. Not in order, but I can name them all. <laughs> I don't and... know if we have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you, though. It's, I believe you. It's a, t- it's a party trick. <laughs> it's a party game? Yeah, yeah. I believe you. I'm sure you can. So, so this is a different franchise from the one we've been rooting for and you know and i go back further 99 but if we're just saying 99 and all of the losses and all of the the knowing that this team wasn't going anywhere what do you get if you guys could pinpoint the turning point what do you think what do you think it was it it certainly felt like um Honestly, it was years in the making, but I will tie it into a couple of things and a couple of guys. And, and it was uh, it was Paul D. Podesta. Um, it was kind of Jimmy Haslam getting the hell out of the way. Um, yeah. and, and if you remember in the Sashi era, Andrew Barry was the football guy in the room. Like, mm-hmm. like that's what he was billed at. As in, and, and I know, and I give John Dorsey credit. John Dorsey was a great scout. He's not a great team builder, but he recognized the deficiency at talent, both in the locker room and on the field. And he identified people like Baker Mayfield, who had the swagger to go through four head coaches in three years and still be, you know, top 10, in my opinion, down the stretch. Yeah. How many and, guys can do that? Oh my gosh. Well, like people talk about Patrick Mahomes, and as much as I love Patrick Mahomes, what would he have done with four head coaches in three years? I just I don't know many people where Baker in 2019. I mean, he was he was not good for most of that year, and he literally said, you know, he was just like, I don't care. I'm gonna put my head down. I'm gonna work. And so I think it starts with Jarvis Landry, and I think it ends yeah. with Baker Mayfield. I, you know, yeah. it's 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 funny that you ask this, Rod. Um, because I, ju- I just tweeted about this today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, because for the first time in my life, I own a Browns jersey. Um, and I'm not sure why it took me so long to own a Browns jersey. But um, recently, the Browns put uh, Baker Mayfield's uh, the striped color rush on sale on the team shop. And I got a stitched one for, it was $50. And I was like, you know what? Now, this is the first time in my life I can buy a Browns quarterback jersey and really believe in it. Um, wow, that, that's a great deal. I, I don't, I do not have a Baker jersey yet. Um, oh, okay. Jacob, um, Jacob, how many jerseys do you own? I think he lost me again. Well, we might have. Yeah. Are you there, Jacob? Okay, guys. So I, I actually have several jerseys. Um, the first, the first real, the first real jersey I got is, is a Joe Thomas jersey. Because okay. why wouldn't I have a Joe Thomas jersey? Um, the second one is uh, Miles Garrett, and Ooh. then I, I just got a 
Clay Matthews jersey, Ooh, number 57. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Clay Matthews guy, and I've uh, been a large, uh, big proponent of Here him in the Hall of Fame. So, um, And I also just bought a couple of autographed jerseys from a friend. So for a... Uh, Got a pretty good deal on two autographed jerseys of Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry. Wow. Oh, jeez. I have those on my closet shelf waiting to frame them. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't pass it up. He says, I'm going to... friend sent me pictures, says I'm going to sell these. I'm like, I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love Nick Chubb, guys. Um, as much as I like Baker and um, Nick I'm a huge Nick Chubb fan. I just love everything about Nick Chubb, the way he handles himself, the way he plays, and, and everything. I mean, there's not a guy in this team I don't like, um, you know, obviously. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Nick, Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb's probably my favorite, my favorite player. Yeah. When, um, when the new jerseys were released, um, was that as April, right, last year? It was last, a- last April? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Um, I I <laughs> I remember it because it was stimulus check day. <laughs> Perfect timing. And um, they released it in immediately brown Nick Chubb jersey. Immediately, Nick Chubb was the first draft pick. Like, obviously, I like draft picks, and, and I'm a positive kind of guy. I'm not on Nick's level because his his level of, imp- of positivity is just – it's <laughs> like, – if you're trying to get – and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But if you're trying to, like, take le- lessons on enjoying your life more, you go to the Nick Karn school of positivity because that's <laughs> – that's where you go. But I've always liked to, like – like I punched my TV when they selected Deshaun Kaiser, and I know oh. friend of our show Brittany Mollis will not be happy to hear that. Um, and it was it was more because of Hugh Jackson than it was because of Deshaun Kaiser. But when they sele- I was when when they came up with the pick that was Nick Chubb, and I just I had my fingers crossed and I said pick Nick Chubb, pick Nick Chubb, please God show everybody why he should have been ahead of Michelle. Instead of Sony, Sony Michelle going before him, and they picked Nick Chubb, and I, I've only acted a fool two other times, like I acted a fool that night, and I got up and I screamed and I shouted. Um, there was a noise complaint um, filed, <laughs> um, and it only and it was like it only went on for like thirty seconds, um, and and the only other two times I've acted like that was the John Johnson the third signing and the JOK drafting, but like. Nick Chubb, to me, from day one, was my dude. I love that. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to tell you guys. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about the Nick Chubb pick when it happened because I knew about his injury and everything. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I, I didn't know for sure, but when I think, I think it was probably on building the Browns when he was in the airport, uh, picking up his luggage. And but and and uh, and somebody said, "Oh, you're a player." And he said, "You know." And they were asking him his name. He said, "I'm Nick." You know. And he was just very casual, laid back. I, you know, that's when I really just started to like him. 
And then seeing his, his interviews and his press conference, I'm like, man, this, this guy's the real deal. Before, I, before he ever took, uh, you know, a handoff in a Browns uniform, I'm like, I, I really, really like this guy. I just want to say, um, one of my favorite things to say about Nick Chubb is that there were three running backs selected before him in, in his draft class, and there are not three running backs better in the NFL right now than Nick Chubb. And I will die on that hill. No, there, there's no, there's no in NFL. I would take over Nick Chubb. So, some of my friends try to try to argue with me that you know Nick Chubb's not the receiving threat that you know Alvin Kamara is or Christian McCaffrey is or or whatever. And and I'm like, you look at you look at at these running backs and you look at at how the Browns won games, and when. When the Browns were sealing, I could I could think of multiple victories the Browns sealed because of Nick Chubb. Um, Jacksonville comes to mind. Uh, Houston comes to mind. It was selfless, uh, you know, giving up his own touchdown to seal the Browns' victory against Houston. Um, and most importantly, the 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 one of my favorite things to say about Nick Chubb, additionally, because I guess I guess we're we're a big Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb think tank here. Um, on the show today. We're, which I'm we're just a fan club, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick Chubb had the longest play from scrimmage against the Steelers in week 17 and in the playoff game. The longest Browns play from scrimmage. Um, and he was the difference, one of the major differences in both of those games. And to me, that, that says everything about Nick Chubb that I need to know. You know, I often think that when I love the way you did it, like what you did with Nick Chubb, one of my favorite things to do is talking about trying to replace a player when I'm trying to make my case for why he is where I think he is. And I'll give you a game right now that is different. I'm not saying the Browns win it. I think they would. If if Nick Chubb plays against the Vegas Raiders, do you think they only score six points? No, no, God, it, but be ridiculous. But you exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're 100 right. But that's exactly my point. And and, and does does Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey run out at the one yard line against the Texans? Probably not. I like no. those. No, I like those dudes a lot. But yeah, that's just they're not the next time. You know, yeah, next what, time. I'd love to bring something up real quick. Todd Gurley was presented with a similar... Now, he knew he messed up when he did it. But Todd Gurley for the Falcons, when they were playing the Lions last year, (laughs) accidentally crosses the goal line. And the Falcons score. And they were in a situation where the Lions had time left because he scores. And they drove right down the field and won the game as the clock expired. (laughs) Because Todd Gurley scored. And And then you look at Nick Chubb being selfless. It, it Todd Gurley's right. face when he knew he was doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, the, so guys, there's a lot to talk about, uh, at least with me, uh, Nick Chubb and his contract. So um, I, I love the whole thing of, well, you know, running backs aren't valued and, you know, and you can't win. You can't win with paying a running back. Well, I think we know Nick Chubb is not a running back. He is like the running back. Okay. So um, 
I believe something's going to happen. I, I think uh, I think Nick Chubb is a team guy, first of all. So I think he'll I think he'll come to terms on a deal with the Browns. But what are your thoughts on this on this whole thing? Because man, the Browns are not the same without Nick Chubb, and you cannot just sign another running back. <laughs> no, um, no, you can't. Uh, you know what? Uh, Jacob and I were having this discussion uh, yesterday um, on the show, and he brought up something really interesting to me that, you know, when, so so Andrew Barry said that the draft is for future building. And with the last pick the Browns used, they take Demetric Felton, who lines up far more closely to Kareem Hunt than he does to Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And and so what what Jacob was saying yesterday, and I don't want to steal your point from you, but um, it was just good. It was like you know Kareem Hunt, um, Kareem Hunt may. I'm not sure what the future holds, but it, but what Kareem Hunt makes right now, say say, Demetric Felton replaces him, and I would be sad to see Kareem Hunt go too. But I'm just saying, if if, if Demetric Felton on his rookie deal replaces Kareem Hunt, you could realistically justify taking what Kareem Hunt is making right now and building it into a new deal for Nick Chubb. You know, I'll I'll piggyback off of that real quick because I said this, I said a very similar thing about the. Um, when people were talking about cutting OV before this year, uh, when they were, you know, as they were getting ready to, this was before Miles' extension was uh, announced. And I said, well, you know, you had Miles last year and this year is, is his fifth year option year. So you had him, you had two years before his new money was going to kick in and yeah. you had a $15 million cap hit in OV. So you said, hey, we're going to roll that $15 million in to Miles' g- g- deal as though we had extended him, and then really we're only paying $10 million in new money. Well, Kareem Hunt's cap hit, because Kareem Hunt's under contract next year, and his cap hit is 6.8. I think somebody could probably correct me better on that. It's six and a half, seven million somewhere around there. If you realize that, if you think about it and you say, hey, we've got this situation, which actually... A, <laughs> For the record, a franchise tag for running back isn't even $10 million cap hit, but, you know, there's that as well. But if you roll seven million, that $7 million that you're already going to give, and then you take, I don't know, $10 million more, you can give Nick 17 next year in a situation where really you're only losing $10 million in new money. Um, and I don't want to, like, go off on too much of a tangent here, but I started – we're doing deep – uh, we're doing deep dives on all of the players the Browns drafted plus Marvin Wilson um, mm-hmm. over on our show one one a week and next week next week is Demetric Felton so I watched um, more tape on Demetric Felton today than I had previously and and guys he runs like Kareem Hunt he is he's he's smaller he's 183 pounds uh, so he's kind of got a wide receiver body but there were some guys that tried to body up and take him on high and he lowered the boom. Like Kareem Hunt, he's a better route runner than Kareem Hunt. I think he's got maybe slightly better vision than Kareem Hunt. I, 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 I wouldn't say that because Kareem Hunt is a Pro Bowl caliber talent. I'm not saying he's on the level, but he can do a lot of those same things 
and then it paves way because, like you said, Nick Chubb's not a running back. He's the running back. And I think, I mean, I mean, you look at it with the Anthony Schwartz thing. Uh, uh, Demetric Felton can run the jet sweeps, and we know Kevin Stefanski loves those jet sweeps and lining Kareem Hunt up. Mm-hmm. They dr- When they announced Demetric Felton, they announced him as a wide receiver. That's exactly the role Kareem has. And it just... I'm not trying to be big brains like Andrew Barry because I'm not, but (laughs) right. (laughs) But it just, guys, it makes a lot of sense. I think they pay Nick Chubb. I I think they're going to pay him. I I struggle a little bit with the Kareem Hunt thing, guys. Um, I mean, Kareem really wants to be in Cleveland. Kareem is a former, you know, we all know he's a former uh, rushing champ. Um, you know, he, he's, yeah, I mean, he's got a, uh, he's definitely got a, a skill set that, that few guys in the NFL have. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Demetric Felton, but he, you know, he doesn't have a snap in the NFL yet. So, so yes. I mean, it, it's a big, it's a big jump, uh, to think, to think about swapping those two guys until, you know, until we see what, what, what he can do until we see what Felton can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess see what happens um, yeah. with him. Um, I don't think know. it would happen this year. Let me preface that. I, I in yeah. no way do I think that happens this year. I think Demetric Felton is a kick returner this year. Yeah. No, I, I think it's more. Uh, you know, I think it's more what uh, you know who whose spot is 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 Felton looking to take, mm. and this is probably a good discussion. Is he, you know, um, is is he fighting with Dearness Johnson? Is he fighting with, um, you know, um, one of the wide receivers? Uh, Possibly you know, Carol uh, Hodge. Yeah, yeah. Carol Hodge. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to see. But, yeah, I saw that right away, the fact that they announced him as a wide receiver. And I looked at him. I'm like, man, he lines up as a running back. Uh, you know, he had more rushing yards, I think, than he did mm-hmm. yeah. uh, receiving yards in college. So, he had – 35 carries against Arizona State this year. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I'm thinking so I'm thinking okay, he's he's definitely, you know, a gadget guy and and he's yeah. valuable because he can do so many things. And and I'm sure you've watched way more film on him than I have. Uh, but you know, I haven't studied him that well, but just just knowing the kind of guy he is, I'm really curious to see where they think he fits in because the composition of this roster to me is kind of up in the air because of now they have the pieces on the defense that they want. Mm-hmm. How are they going to compose the defense and the offense? It's kind of the same thing. This offense doesn't need six wide receivers. No, you know, no, they want more tight ends. Um, yeah. you know, they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, you know, I, I guess that, that's probably a good thing to to kind of try to figure out is is composition. You know, um, mm-hmm. one of the things is like you know safeties versus linebackers. Um, you know, how many they're going to carry. You know, they may carry a lot more. Uh, they may carry more defensive linemen and safeties. And you know, there may be <laughs> there may be less uh, linebackers on this on this team than than what people. Or don't I'll, I'll say them what they normally would be because I think people know that that's probably going to happen. Yeah. Interesting tidbit. Um, a friend of mine today 
was telling me that the Browns listed Curtis Weaver as an off as an outside linebacker, which is super interesting to me. And another wrinkle in the large. I mean, if 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 that's what they think of him, I mean, they have so many linebackers right now. Well, I mean, Curtis Weaver, if he makes a team, it's going to be as an edge rusher. That's what I thought too. I just so so that struck me as super strange that they would they would list him that way. Um, I didn't and I didn't personally see um, them them do that, but that that's what I was told, and I w- I was assuming that he was going to be like you said an edge rusher. Um, but because there there's so many battles right now, especially between defensive line and linebacker. Um, as far as making the team, it, it's crazy how much depth the, um, Andrew Barry's been able to build in such a short time. I agree. Let, you know, let, what do you guys think about defensive line? Um, God, they got like, what, 20 defensive tackles on their roster now? <laughs> I, I think it's 24. 24? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it, and I don't know about you guys. I do not have all these guys memorized. I'm looking at I'm looking at the roster and... and um, Damian Square. I thought I thought he was a defensive tackle. They've got him listed as a defensive end. Really? I'm, I'm either showing my ignorance or or this is no. not the right site to be looking at. <laughs> no, you're you're correct because he was definitely yeah. announced as a defensive tackle when they he was. when they signed. Yeah, he was. Um, um, yeah. So um, I mean, let let's talk defensive end i mean you got obviously you got uh you know miles and and uh tack mckinley and um jadavian and and jadavian you know th- those guys are i'm assuming tack mckinley's uh, you know going to make the team um on a one-year contract you know unless he just shows up you know and is awful you know i would think he's making the team you know um, i think tack mckinley the Browns tried to claim him 14 times last year. Yes, they did. So I, I don't see a scenario him. where they don't keep him. They, 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 I keep getting told, and Lane Adkins is one of the guys, and I, if Lane Adkins says something, I take it as the gospel. And, and Lane and has Lane said. Lane knows. Lane knows, yeah. Yes. And Lane <laughs> says they like Tack McKinley more than we can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Lane Lane was on the show two weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I respect Lane uh, as much as anybody. Yeah, definitely. So so we have those three guys at defensive end, and then then to me, it's guys like uh, Curtis Weaver, Porter Gustin. Um, those two guys probably fighting out for the, the fourth spot, and you know the other guys are guys who have some of them have been around. Um, yeah. Joe Jackson, Cameron Melvo, um, you know, I, I don't know who else makes it or how many defensive ends they carry. You know, I don't know if they want to carry more than four defensive ends, uh, you know, unless they sign somebody else. But uh, defensive tackle, man, they got they got so many guys. Um, <laughs> they do. I think I think part of um, part of the fact that that, you know, you're saying we're saying uh, they won't. They probably won't carry more than four defensive ends. Is that Malik Jackson can also slide out there, yeah, and play that? So then you yeah. have that versatility as well. And, and they've already said they also want to play Jadavian Clowney on the inside. <laughs> yeah. 
So right. there's defensive tackle 25. <laughs> Guys, how, how excited are you going to be? And I, I've said this before, so it's probably boring for people. But when when you see that Miles, Jadavian, and Tack McKinley are all, all out there on either a four or five man front. Well, I, I said this yesterday. Nick can attest to this. I thought to myself, especially like, like let's I'll give you a scenario. We're trying me and Nick uh, are trying to be at the Chicago Bears week three game. That's mm-hmm. the plan. Yeah. Um, could okay. you imagine? And I love Justin Fields. I'm an Ohio State guy. But could you imagine if you're Justin Fields, you walk up under center, you look up to your left, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Malik Jackson, Tack McKinley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's yes. it's third and fourteen. What the hell are you going to do? Yeah, and that you know what? By you far, can't you can't double and triple all those guys. No, that that's the biggest difference to me. Um, because when you look when you look at the Browns' two playoff games, right? They, you know what? The snap going over Ben's head was hugely beneficial to them. You know, because Olivier Vernon was one of like if he wasn't the hottest defensive end in the NFL over the second half of the season, he was he was right up there with anybody. Right, I think he had eight yeah. sacks and in eight nine sacks in eight games, something something like that. I think it was eight um, and a half. It's, okay, so 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 they lose him, right? And and you know Miles Garrett's still recovering from COVID, um, and they really for the for the majority of the Steelers game and basically all the Chiefs game, they did not breathe on Ben Roethlisberger or Patrick Mahomes, and, oh, and you know. And so thankfully, you know, Ben just just gave the ball away like like it was a charity or something. Uh, but, Hot but potato, I, man. I don't want it. Yeah. You know, I'm, he was I'm, he was doing his he thought it was Halloween and he was doing ho, do it. He was doing his Oprah. You get an interception. You get an interception. <laughs> so oh but, but that's my point, though, is that, you know, you look at how Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. You need you must. Like if you're gonna if if the Browns are going to you know get beyond the divisional round and really challenge for a Super Bowl, you must must pressure the quarterback, and they did not do that in either playoff game. So I think we're seeing you know Andrew Barry knows that, and and we're we're bringing we we are bringing pressure with us this year. I agree with you. So so guys, linebacker. Oh. I don't know how many linebackers are going to carry, but who do you, who do you guys think is going to make the team? And, and I mean, we got so much time and so many yeah. you know things to figure out here. So this is way too early to really be talking about it. So it's just kind of just kind of fun time. But obviously, yeah. I, you know, Jacob Phillips has to be back, and and they're gonna they're gonna keep you know um, Anthony Walker and um, let's see, now, Tony Fields is going to make the team. I think so. Um, yeah. Uh, according to the site I'm looking at, Jadavian Clowney will be, make the team as a linebacker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's playing like 12 he, positions this year, man. Yeah, just play everywhere. Um, what do you guys think about uh, Mac Wilson, uh, Sione Takitaki, um, you know, and, and some of the other guys? I would say, and I'm not – Browns, I'm, I don't want to – 
step on the Mac Wilson train too much because Brown's Twitter was incredibly toxic with Mac Wilson takes today. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. Well, they have been a lot. They've been rough on him, but I mean, Mac puts himself out there. So, um, yes. Man. Um, yeah. I, I said last night that if you asked me today that I don't think Mac Wilson makes the roster. I think if you're asking me right now, see, JOK is very, very interesting because I don't know if he takes a linebacker roster slot or a safety roster slot because he's going to play both. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, like like you said, like, hey, how many linebackers are they going to carry? I'm not sure if he falls into one. So I'm going to kind of push him off to the sides. Tony Fields will make the team because of special teams. And I think eventually Tony Fields will take the Malcolm Smith role. Yeah. Uh, Should I be think- next season. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a player. Yeah. Well, you know, it's actually, it was your show um, when Lane was on your show and he talked about Tony Fields. um, If Lane says it, yes, it will be. Yeah. Yes. And, and he kept telling you guys about, about Tony Fields and um, our first, and instead of doing it in order of like last picked to first, the first guy I wanted to break down on our show was Tony Fields uh, last week. Yeah. Because because of what Lane said, this kid can play. He's going to make the team this year because of special teams, I think. Just because, you know, you lost Javier Thomas. You um, you lost um, – did you lose Elijah Lee or is he the one you kept? Um, they signed him. I don't – yeah, I'm assuming okay. he's still on the roster. You, you lost you lost a couple of, uh, of, of your special teamers. You need him uh, – you need him there. I think Taki makes the roster. I'm worried about it, but I think he has a clear, defined role. Um, yeah. And Jacob Phillips is the the ultimate wild card here because I, Jeff Lloyd posted some things about him yeah. again today, and ah, man, his sideline to sideline reaction ability, if he's healthy, uh, I think Jacob Phillips potentially because I don't list JOK strictly as a linebacker. I think Jacob Phillips is probably the best linebacker on that team. You know, it's something interesting. He did not – Jacob Phillips, I don't think, intercepted a pass, but he got his hand on many – like when he was out there, because I know he had injury issues. But when he was out there, he managed to find his way to the ball multiple times that I can think of um, through the season, which I think is really important. Um, but but you, you asked about, about, you know, the linebackers, and to me, when when you look at it, you look at commitment. And you say, okay, who are the Browns committed to? Um, and so, obviously, now I know he's a, met, a veteran, but the Browns re-signed Malcolm Smith, right? Mm-hmm. So they are saying, hey, we liked what we saw from you last year um, as, as far as in coverage. And so, you know, to me, that is that is them making a commitment. And like you said, they signed Anthony Walker. They drafted JOK, who were kind of in a hybrid. They Jacob Phillips is the draft pick of the regime. Um and so then, so then you kind of look beyond that, and you say, okay, Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson were both were both um, John Dorsey picks, and and so I think I think when you look at the the this regime's commitment to each individual linebacker, one of those two to me um, seems like the odd man out, um, and if I was a betting man. Based on the fact that you know we're an analytics-driven, well, partially an analytics-driven uh, team, and Mac Wilson graded out so low last year, I th- I think Mac Wilson's the odd man out. Um, but you know that's what camps for, right? That's why they compete. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'd like to think that these guys uh, each have an equal shot, you know, coming into camp. I mean, I, obviously they're going to look at what they did last season. Uh-huh. But I, I think that um, I think the future's bright with Jacob Phillips, and I really think they're looking at JOK as more of a linebacker. And Tony Fields, he, he's going to be playing within the next mm-hmm. within, you know, if not this, I don't think he's going to start this season. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting next season. Yeah. Be surprised. Yeah. So if those three guys are are able to play next season, man, you got a great young core. You really do. Yeah. And, and they're young, and they have a plethora of experience. Mm-hmm. They do. They do. And. You know, I, we really haven't gotten to see Jacob Phillips yet because of the injuries. But man, he he's got the speed that you want, and obviously JOK does, and and I think Tony Fields does too. If you go back and watch some of Tony Fields at Arizona, because I'm not sure I overtly loved how they used him at West Virginia. Um, yeah, he could, Tony Fields would cover some ground. He and and I said this, I talking to Lane on Twitter. I said, you know. It, the, the, simply put, Tony Tony Fields finds the ball and puts a hat on it. Yeah, yeah. So, you guys see any other? Uh, what do you guys think the other main battles are? I think uh, rotational defensive tackle. Um, I think Andrew Billings and Malik Jackson have the top two spots. Um, Nick brought this up to me yesterday on the show um, because I kind of the Malik McDowell thing. I'm not getting into the merits behind it. It was a weird signing. He hasn't played in five years. It wasn't Tim Tebow, so it wasn't the worst signing that happened. Um, (laughs) Tim Tebow is what, like 37 or something? Um, He's he's 34, but he hasn't played since 2012. He had played in like seven years, right? Seven, eight years? Yeah. Yeah, nearly a decade. Nearly my brother, my brother texted me. He's like, "What is he like? 40? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, "Well, I saw, I know he's in probably his mid thirties or something. He hasn't played in forever. I mean, seriously, was this just like an attention grab or what was it? But yeah, I, I think Malik McDowell is just a complete wild card. I don't know how we can know if he's going to do anything. Well, and that's what Nick told me yesterday, actually, um, because Malik McDowell was at rookie minicamp this weekend. And Nathan Zagura said that that was the what, Nick. You you tell the story. You're the one. Who, you're the one who yeah. uh, heard the tidbit. Um, he said Nathan Zagura said um, that Malik McDowell is in insane. Like you, you know, because many many said you know because he hasn't played a down of real NFL football. And mm-hmm. Zagura said that he is in incredible shape. Um, he look he looks like he looks like someone that is going to. Um, to contribute. And so, I mean, who, who knows if he actually makes the team, but th- for what it's worth, that's what Nathan Zagura said. Wow. He, was, so. he was drafted 35th overall. I mean, yeah. Yeah. if you, yeah. you can be any part of what, I mean, that was 2016 or the 2017 draft. So if you can be any part of what you were, you know, four or five years ago, I, I have I have trouble with the Malik McDowell thing because I think they carry, I think five five defensive tackles without Malik McDowell. Um, Jordan Elliott's kind of the wild card, but they're really high on him. But I think Malik Jackson, um, Andrew Billings, uh, Tommy Togiai, and Marvin Wilson. I think they all four easily make the roster, and so does Jordan Elliott. 
So Mm -hmm. I don't know what happens with Malik McDowell, but if, I mean, he was drafted 35th. That's what I keep coming back to. Like Andrew Barry loves his guys that were high draft picks Mm -hmm. that did not work out at other teams. Tack McKinley, Kevin Johnson, Carl Joseph. I mean, we can go. Right. Yeah. Malik McDowell. He wants to see. If you have a shred of natural talent, he wants to see why you didn't succeed. And I, it, it's such a – from the moral standpoint, I'm not sure I like it. But my understanding is of the way Kevin Stefanski kind of runs that ship. If he steps one toe out of line, I think he's gone. So um, – That's the thing, guys. We do not hear about problems on this team. So. Nope. That either means there aren't problems or they keep them in-house, which either way is fine. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. And, you know, the thing about these DTs, none of these guys are making the practice squad. They're not making it to the practice squad. So, so yeah, yeah they, they got tough decisions. Rod, you, you asked about battles, um, and, I, and I, I would love to talk about the other side of the ball. Oh, okay. Uh, be, because, because, okay, so, so we know that primarily the Browns want to run two tight end sets, right? So that, that most likely is going to leave you with two wide receivers. So, I mean, obviously Odell and Jarvis are going to be there. But then behind them, you've got Rashard Higgins, who's contributed significantly. You've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who showed quite a bit of potential. Um, then you've got, you've got Anthony Schwartz, who they just drafted. Um, and, you know, Hodge is there, too. But between the, the, those three players, um, all offer something different, right? Uh, like Donovan Peoples-Jones is bigger, um, and and has a, a lot of st- uh, straight lines, you know, and and he showed chemistry with Baker. Um, Anthony Schwartz can be used in, in gadget ways. Um, he had a bunch of rushing touchdowns in college, um, and then Rashard Higgins has, you know, it, he's similar, more similar to Jarvis Landry, but it's like. All Rashard Higgins does when he's on the field is produce. So I wonder, and, and so I'm not saying any of them are in danger of not making the team, but what what my biggest wonder is, is is who behind Jarvis and Odell is is the receiver that gets the most playing time? Uh, that, that might be an easier question than trying to figure out who does not make the team. <laughs> I think because right. I mean, I mean, geez, uh, you know, um, Higgins, uh, Peoples, Jones, Hodge, and and um, Schwartz and Schwartz. How how do you let any of those guys go? You, you uh, Hodge. The only the only one I could accept is Hodge, and I love Hodge a lot. Um, yeah, because- I mean, he he he's been money. When yep. he's been in the game catching the ball, which isn't a ton, but he—I mean—he was really good last season, really dependable when they needed him, and and he's—he's—I mean—he kicks ass on special teams. Mm-hmm. He feels like if 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 Kadero Hodge catches a pass, it's a first down. Like it's always yeah. seems to be a first down. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So um, back back to Nick's question, the number three guy. You know, I don't know how it's not Higgins. It has to be. Yeah. I think it has to be. It has to be Higgins. But I think you're going to see, I, I mean, Schwartz is going to have his packages, man. You're going to see Schwartz out there uh, quite a bit. I mean, I would think Schwartz is going to get his 10 plays a game, you know, 
at least just because of his speed, even if it's just as a decoy. Do do you remember before we realized it was all going to fall apart in 2019? Um, do you do you remember the game <laughs> that they actually beat Baltimore? Which yeah, I Freddie remember beat, it well. Yeah, Nick yeah. Chubb. Yes, but do you remember Three what touchdowns. everybody? Yeah, what the, everybody said about like they were talking about what happened with Odell Beckham was that everybody else feasted on that day because they just were so scared that Beckham would beat him over the top. It, and Beckham had like, I don't know, 30, 40 yards that day, but they they dropped 40 on him. Like, I, I could see Schwartz. Could you imagine a defense if if Schwartz lines up inside of Odell Beckham and then you put, you know, Higgins, a tight end, whoever you want on the other side, they're going to be able to catch a little 10 yard, five, 10 yard crossing route. And there's nobody's going to be there. They're all going to be 25, 30 yards downfield because Odell and Schwartz are running go routes. <laughs> I, I bet, I bet just Stefanski is just, and, and, uh, you know, and these guys are just drawing up plays right now, just having a blast figuring out how to use Schwartz and Beckham and these tight ends. Because I, I think Schwartz, I think they'll send him on go routes a lot, obviously, just, you know, yeah. just to uh, take the top off and everything and, and leave a bunch of guys open underneath. But, but man, you, if you watch the film on Schwartz, <laughs> you toss him a slant, man. If he has any room, phew, it, it's nasty what he can do. And you, yeah. you I just want to say, you think about what, even even as they didn't have an offseason off last year to really develop the offense, you think about the misdirection and trick plays Stefanski threw in. They, they threw a touchdown to Kendall Lamb. Uh, Jarvis Landry threw a touchdown to Odell Beckham. They did a trip, uh, du- uh, sorry, triple, double reverse to Odell for a touchdown. Um, they did a Baker Mayfield pass for a critical first down. Toe tapper. And, and that was the first season, guys. That was yeah. like before they, you know, before he really wanted to open the playbook up. And, and now you can do it with a four-two-five speed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I watched. Uh, I watched uh, Schwartz run his uh, his. Um, his, I think it was his high school hundred meter where he ran the ten oh seven. I think I watched that race like ten times. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this guy. And if you want a comparison, I love DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf ran that that hundred meter a week or so ago, and it was like a ten three seven. Yeah, yeah, he came in. He came in. He came oh. in last place, I think. Right, but but man, he kept right up with those professional. Sprinters. Yeah. But but that's the thing though, is that is that Anthony Schwartz was faster in high school than DK Metcalf is right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the guy can catch the ball too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if there's anybody that can get to a four two five speed, it, it, I'm so tired. I didn't know I was gonna do this and I apologize. <laughs> But I am so tired of this lazy Baker Mayfield doesn't have a good arm. It's an okay arm. It's a moderate arm. I I mean, who's it. saying that? You, I need it, names, Jacob. I need names. Who's saying Baker doesn't have a good arm? 
It's Colin Cowherd. Are you kidding me? Okay, that's, you know, I muted him like three years ago. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard a word he said in three years. He is, he is the, his number one thing is the Browns have an amazing roster, but Baker Mayfield, it, it, yeah. it's always, it comes back to that. Baker this Mayfield, is why I have him muted. Yeah. Yeah. It, but what happens is people take clips of his show. Cause I have him blocked and, and, and people take clips of his show because they want to get mad at him and they post it. And I'm like, Hey guys, don't do that. You're getting him views. You're helping him. Yeah. Yeah. It, Baker threw it. What was it? What was the he was at his own 30 yard line, 35 yard line, and he threw it through the back of the end zone against Baltimore before yeah. half. Baker has an incredible arm. You know, I, I don't know who has the best arm in the NFL, you know, probably probably uh, Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. But Baker's is not far behind any of those guys. And what was his numbers? Where was he at? Two top two, top three in deep ball accuracy last year, and he didn't have a real deep ball threat for eleven games. I want to say he ended up finishing as as the number one um, passer of over twenty yards in in, in accuracy. Um, because hmm. you you say that you say that like say you you post that on Twitter, people come at you like you are are from another planet and have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, like I'm um, lying. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's, and that's the thing, is that is that Baker is actually fantastic with throwing. I, I still think about that game uh, that he threw it against, I think, Carolina. I want to say that was his, yeah, that was his rookie year. His um, double clutch it, to Jarvis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my on God. The run. Just, yeah. just putting it putting it on exactly where it needed to be, you know. It's so be- un- and he started that game with a bomb to Brashad Perriman. So, just out of thirty-one quarterbacks last year, Baker Mayfield was ranked first in deep ball accuracy yeah. when when he completed twenty-nine of fifty-two passes of over twenty yards. That's yeah, number one. All right. I'll be honest with you guys. Um, when you just throw out deep ball accuracy, everybody's going to say Russell Wilson. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, Russ Russ started last season just with an incredible amount of accuracy, but I think he probably just dropped off. Mm-hmm. You know, His line. I think Seattle, good. yeah. But R- Russ was probably like 28 a third of his first 30 on those yeah. deep balls last season. It was, it was crazy. I mean – uh, you give a, a, a dude that was already crazy accurate. You gave him a second year DK Metcalf, and whew, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, you want to look at the schedule? Let's do it. Yeah, I mean it's kind of weird. Seventeen games. Uh, no, the Browns have nine home games, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Um, yeah, so I, I'll let you guys take over. I mean, what stands out, and what are you most excited about, and what? I'd like I'd like to say one thing, um, and I found myself alone on this hill, or mostly <laughs> alone on this hill. Um, but I told Jacob this last night. Um, I would much rather give the reigning coach of the year 
four months to prepare for the best opponent on the schedule than I would one week between games. Mm-hmm. I I am really excited, despite the defense needing to come together, that Cleveland gets Kansas City week one um, more than anyone else because because you're giving you're giving a guy who has proven to be a great coach the most time he can possibly have all season to prepare for his best opponent. Um, it's no secret that the AFC runs through Kansas City. They've been in the Super Bowl yeah. the last two years. Yeah. So I am super excited about the fact that the Browns have all this time now to get ready for them. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win the game, although I did predict that they will. Um, but I think this gives them their best chance to beat Kansas City in the regular season by playing them week one. You you agree with that, Jacob? Yeah, I I, I really like. You might have lost him. Yeah, you're going in and out a little bit. Let let me give my thoughts, and we'll go back to you on this. Um. Yeah, I I got to tell you, Nick, I I kind of see this as as kind of an even game because obviously Stefanski won Coach of the Year, but that's because of how the Browns did, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. You know, he absolutely deserved Coach of the Year. But a- Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the league too, and he he wins Week One almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his last however many years, I don't know if it's five, six, seven years. Um, but I would rather be playing the Chiefs probably week one than once they get rolling. And they've got you know, a lot of new guys on the offensive line, maybe. you know, mm-hmm. I would rather put our defensive line up against our offensive line week one than week six or eight mm-hmm. you know, before they learn to play as a unit. I, I think that helps the Browns. Um, playing on the road is kind of a little bit, you know, obviously in Casey's favor. But... Um, but yeah, I, I like that the Browns have time to get ready, but Casey's got time to get ready too. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of moving parts, but to me, this game's probably almost even. But I don't. I'm going to have a hard time looking at the Browns as an underdog in any game this season. I, I'm going to feel like the Browns have a shot to win every single game this season. Um, not that they, not that they should. Not that I'm going to be you know, disappointed or despondent if they if they lose a game. But um, to me, week one is, is as good as any other week to play KC. And, and here's the thing, if if they if they win, man, it, it's huge. If they win week one against the Chiefs, that's huge. And it could really set them up to 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 get going on a run. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the next next few games. Um, if they lose they were at KC. They weren't supposed to win that game. Put yeah. it behind them and move on. I agree. Um, I, I like I like what you're thinking, um, because because you know now the schedule is even longer, right? So yeah. every game is worth slightly less, um, which you know especially when you're playing the the representative from the AFC in the Super Bowl week one um, is definitely a good thing. Um, yeah. To, to me, to me, I think, you know, it's kind of nice that the Browns are just coming off of a loss to Kansas City. Um, you've got a whole, 
you know, half worth of tape on Patrick Mahomes as to, you know, how did he, because, you know, I mean, we all know Patrick Mahomes carved the Browns, uh, you know, defense up, up to shreds, right? So, but you've got directly the most recent game you played is the evidence of, of how this guy beat you and how the Kansas City Chiefs beat you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that puts you in a uniquely, um, at least decent spot to make adjustments that, you know, from year to year teams change a lot, but, but they're, they're going to stay similar to, to their core of what made them successful. So ha- coming off of just playing Kansas city, I think puts Cleveland in at least a better spot than they would have been. Um, like you said, playing like week six. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree and, with you. And you know, I'll say this, this is the only thing I, cause you've got it. You guys hit on everything about, about that game. I would rather play KC week one than have to play KC in December when I'm trying to win the division. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. And, and, and I think it's going to be a great game. And if I see, any more Chiefs fans tell me it's like I I don't know I don't want to be getting on a soapbox or anything but like people saying wow they really don't like the Browns good thing you know the Browns are going to be put back in their place they're going to do this they're going to do that did you see what happened to them in in January and I'm like this just it's not the same team yeah Mahomes only played half the game and now Mahomes is going to play the whole game okay guys let's just let's just play the game Trust me, I remember, but I also remember our best pass rusher was a COVID-ridden Miles Garrett, and that is not what you're facing this year. It's going to be a little bit different. Both teams have have some different personnel. Both teams are going to be week one, kind of trying to get things going out of out of the gate. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it it it. I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. Uh, I really wanted Pittsburgh week one because I would love to beat them three weeks in a row. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was Nick's thing on Twitter. He was like, oh, yeah, I would love to beat beat them. Uh, Yeah, they usually put them, you know, week. Well, actually, I was going to say week 16. They do have or or 17. They do have week 17. But then they got, you know, the Bengals the last week of the season. Yeah. what do you think of this whole Ravens by Ravens thing? Isn't that kind of nuts? I was hoping you were going to bring that up. So <laughs> That's crazy. It's the weirdest thing. Like, to me, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I, 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 I think they, they there's a graphic out there talking about the last time an opponent was the same team two, two weeks in a two consecutive games because it obviously there's the bye week in there but it was two consecutive games for them but honestly yeah. it plays out really well for the browns because it, not so much in the first game but it, it during their bye week when they get to rest up continue for the second straight week and third straight week preparing for the same team the ravens have to go to pittsburgh mm-hmm. um they have got to play Pittsburgh. The Ravens have an awful December. We are set up to skate in December because we have the two. We have uh, the, the like you said, week seventeen. We have the worst team in the division, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and we have um, the Bengals there at the end of the game. I, I just wanted to take that shot. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, it's yeah. the most bizarre thing ever, but I really think it sets up well for the Browns. After I thought about it a little bit, um, getting the Nick talked about it, uh, giving Stefanski and Joe Woods and all these guys uh, an opportunity to have three straight weeks on the same team when the other team doesn't get to have three straight weeks on you. I, I, advantage Browns, I think. Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and they, they're they're at Baltimore. They have the bye, and then they're home for Baltimore. And like you said, it's three weeks in a row prepping for Baltimore. While well, Baltimore's got to uh, play Pittsburgh in there, and then and then they're home for the Raiders. Which Browns, God, they got to be thinking revenge in that game because they they should have been able to win that game last season. I, you know, and then and then they they go to Green Bay, and. We don't know what Green Bay is going to be. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback. And then they go to Pittsburgh, and then they're home for Cincinnati. So um, it, we can look at the schedule all we want, but it kind of, it, like I've said, and I'll continue to say every season, schedules change as you get into the season. Yep. So so we can look at how we think the last seven, eight weeks are going to be, but Man, you don't know how the Lions are going to be playing in week, you know, nine. You don't know how the Raiders are going to be playing in week, was that, 12, you know, um, 12, um, things like, or, yeah, 15, um, mm-hmm. things like that, you know. So um, you just got to see. But to me, I, I think you're right. That that Ravens by Ravens, it plays to the Browns' advantage. And if nothing else, it gives the Browns a chance to to take control of the division, it puts it's going to probably put their destiny in their own hands. Yep, agreed. Uh, I would much rather end with with uh, that schedule, the Browns' schedule, than um, a month straight of Pittsburgh's, um, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cleveland, Kansas City. And oh I, yeah, I know that's like that's out of order, but those that's are how Pittsburgh last ends. Yeah. That's our last four games. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh in my. some yeah. order, some order of that. I'm not, I can't remember yeah. what, what the order is, but yeah, they're, they're, they're like, let's say they're not as bad as I think they are. That's a brutal final month. Well, yeah. K KC and, and I mean, uh, um, Henry's always rolling at the end of the season, man. Oh, yeah. Um, that'll be a tough game. And yeah. the Browns and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to say. So, um, Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you want to talk about uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, it's all yours. You know what? Um, I, and I appreciate that uh, because I know I may be a man on an island here. And, and you know what? That's okay. Um, the, the Browns play Pittsburgh on Halloween this year, and it's at home. And... So last year, when we played Cincinnati, the the then this regime showed us, you know, that they they are interested in fun. They they kept the orange pants a secret, uh, and they broke them out for that game, and it was great. Um, and and you know what? I saw that the Browns play Pittsburgh on Halloween, and I thought, you know, what better on Halloween to to finally, you know, because in the in the last rendition of the Browns uniforms, they had orange. They had orange. But I think they only used them in a preseason game. So 
I am I am a fan. And, and you know what? Because they've changed the color rush. Um, what better time than to reveal the secret orange uniforms than on Halloween against Pittsburgh? I I'm just saying. I, I think yeah. you know what you you can you if if it's a complete failure like some people think because everybody's got an opinion on an orange uniform. You cannot you cannot post something on Twitter about about orange color rush like all orange without everyone and their mom coming out of the woodwork to weigh in. Um, very and yeah. nobody's in the middle. Everyone's either loves it or hates it. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. Um, so so you know what? If it's a, if it's a flop, then you can just chalk it up as a, as a Halloween experiment. And if it's great, maybe you could use it once a year. I, I'm I'm just I, I would love I would love them to at least try because nobody else uses utilizes orange nearly enough in the NFL. And so it, it, it would be something unique for the Browns, um, and it's festive. So so why not give it a shot? Yeah, have you given your your thoughts on this yet, Jacob? Yeah, he's. I I think he doesn't want me to speak on it last night um, because last <laughs> night he called me out today on Twitter. Um, <laughs> over, this is gonna be way better than my answer. <laughs> he called me out over Twitter on it today, and it, it slipped by me because he he stuck it in a promo for last night's show. He's like, check out our show. We talk about Marvin Wilson and the schedule, and and and, and Jacob incredibly slanders uniforms. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> whoa! And, and the funny thing was, I liked and retweeted and commented on it before I saw that. And wow. and you gotta and be I, a little bit careful with those likes and retweets, man. <laughs> Well, I just, I thought, oh, there's Nick. He's promoting our show. That's great. Let's do this. And then I'm like, oh, crap. Um, you know what? I should probably apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he suckered him right in. So, so guys, here's, here's my, here are my thoughts. I am a traditionalist. I love the new uniforms, the brown, the brown and, you know, and uh and white i you know um even even the orange pants um whatever you know going back to the days of bernie and brian sipe and all those guys i love these uniforms um but the more i think about it man this is a new organization you know things have we have turned the corner and i love the fact that they're embracing the past and wearing the uniforms that we like but I think I'm with you, Nick. I think I would love to see just something yes. wild on Halloween. Yes. Um, all orange, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's done in, in a very, very cool way, you know, um, you know, I, I would be behind it because I, I think the fans would go wild. And I think we need to, I really think we need to keep an eye on the past always with this team, with the, uh, you know, just with, with the history and tradition of the Browns. But, man, we have to know where the future lies with this team. And yeah. we have we have to embrace stuff like this. And, and guys like Baker and Miles and Nick Chubb, they're the future. And, 
And if they come out wearing all orange, I think I think people will go nuts. I do too. I, I do. Team Rod over here. I'm, just, I'm happy. You know what? I, I think they would be great. Um, and I'm sure Jacob, you have something you'd like to say on that. So. No, no, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I. I probably wouldn't have said that uh, last season. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't have because I was so excited when the new uniforms came out. I'm like, yes, this is what these guys should have been wearing the whole time. Yeah, just because I love the past. You know, I, I started following the Browns, you know, mostly in the 80s, you know, when they were wearing those uniforms, um, you know, with with, uh, with Bernie. You know, I mean, I saw I saw Brian site play, you know, um, and, and uh, you know, and Bernie and, and Clay and and. Uh, you know, all, all these guys, um, Ernest Biner and these guys. So that's what I think of. I love those uniforms. So I like that they wear those, but I have no problem at all with them, with them going wild with, with these uniforms. You know, like you said, once a season, a few times a season, whatever, just to kind of, just to kind of do something. And I think Halloween would be just a perfect time for this. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, um, it, it, shout out! I, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but it, uh, I think it's Cody. Is it Douch? Um, has he has a uh, like an all orange uh, mock up with the numbers are brown, and mm-hmm. I really I I really love it. And you know, anytime I post anything about it, um, that's what I use to do it. And uh, I I just I think it would be. You know, the Browns already showed us that they are interested in giving back to what the fans want. And I'm not sure, you know, what the exact split is, but I think I think that they are definitely interested in at least trying things. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely think you're right. So, yeah. Do you guys have anything else you want to cover? I mean, I think we hit it all. I think it was a yeah, I think we got everything. I'm yeah, sure we, we've been rolling a long time, guys. Oh yeah, just so, uh, having a good time. It, it, it's been a lot of fun. I, I want I want to give you guys each uh, each a chance to kind of close out with any any words you want to leave everybody with. So so uh, uh, Jacob, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, guys. Um, uh, big thanks, big big thanks to you, Rod. I was uh, I've never in my entire um, fandom ever been asked to be a guest on any show until you asked me to be a show a guest on here, and I had a little bit of a surreal. It's been a surreal last couple of weeks for me because Brown's Twitter has really started to embrace me. Um, Lane Adkins follows me on Twitter. Uh, I called my dad and my wife to tell them about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like you said, if Lane says that it, it's legit. And then he was like, He's he talked yeah. and, he, and he said stuff to me and Nick about you guys are doing good work. You're putting in the work. And like, I've always had a dream that somebody would give a crap about what I thought about football and, and, and people like you are making that dream come true. So I just want to thank everybody guys. You guys are awesome. Absolutely. Um, I love that Jacob. Yeah. So Nick, Nick, we're going to give you a shot. What, uh, what would you like to, to uh, close with? So Rod, um, I am a longtime fan of yours and, um, your legendary beer fridge. Um, 
<laughs> if you guys didn't live so far away, you guys are both in Cleveland, right? I'm in Athens. You're in Athens? Yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. My uh, uh one of one of my kids is going to be going to uh to uh, to med school at, at uh, OU in the fall. Oh. oh, okay. They just built a beautiful new med school down here. Yeah, my he and my wife got a tour of it just um last weekend or weekend before. Last weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah he's he's excited. Um no, I, you know what? I, I've never been to Athens. I've always wanted to go. Um, so sooner or later, Jacob, uh, as as long as I'm not cast out for uh, for <laughs> saying your opinion on the orange jerseys, uh, that would be quite a fun trip, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just want to say, you know, Rod, I'm a longtime fan um, of you on Twitter. I, I think you're a tremendous member of the community. And so, you know, when when this came together, when when you asked us, um, you know, that that was that meant a lot to me because, um, you know, having having been a part of it for a while now, it's like you you come up and, and you start you 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 really um, start to idolize certain people. Um, and Rod, I think you were you were one of them because, you know, of the way that that you carry yourself and and, you know, just the interactions that we've had. We've always had good conversations. So. I was really excited, you know, to be a part of this. Um, that, and so I, I so appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, for you for you to um, to say, you know, oh, let's collaborate, you know, in my podcast with, with your and Jacob's show. Um, I, I love that. Um, it's just it's just a further uh, reference of, of, you know, you supporting other members of Brown's Twitter. Um, and so so that 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 to me just makes it really special. So I'm thank I'm thankful to to have been able to do this with you um, and, and, you know, that we could do this with you and, and talk about our show a little bit. So thank you for that opportunity. Um, and you 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 lived up to what I thought you would be and you exceeded it. So thank you, Rod. Well, thanks, Nick and Jacob. I appreciate uh Appreciate both of you guys, and it, it's been it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And uh, I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, I, I, we we've talked a lot about um, just being real on Twitter, and uh, I think you guys both do that. And it's you know it's an example that I've tried to set for a long time, and you guys are you guys are living up to it. And that's um, you know it's been. It, it's been good finally getting to talk to you guys and, you know, getting, and, you know, get to know you a little bit. Um, I wish you nothing but the best with the, with the new show. And uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. I would love that. This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.